You are listening to a live message from Gold Street Garden Church with Dr. Dominic Butler. We are thrilled to have you join us for today's message. Our prayer is that you would see Jesus clearer than ever before and your desire to know him personally would increase in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about the church, you can go to goldstreetgarden.com. I've had like five things just brewing in my heart all week. And I was like, Lord, it was kind of like a beautiful torture. Cause like when you have that much in your heart, it's like, well, what do I speak on? Cause like, yes, yes. I'm like, feel like I'm being pulled all these different directions. And uh, tonight we're going to talk about the cross. Yes. And we're not talking about the cross cause it's Easter or it's a certain time. The Lord really put it on my heart to talk about the cross and specifically tonight's message is the cross in you, the cross in you. And some of the things that I want to talk about specifically tonight, and I want to go back in prayer because the Holy Spirit has to do this. The Holy Spirit has to reveal Jesus to you. I can't do it. Holy Spirit has to. So what we're going to do when we're talking about the cross tonight is I do feel like in American church culture, sometimes we get very far away from the simplicity of the gospel. And I think that, especially in where we're at, the cross is literally the pinnacle of eternity. It's the, it is the pinnacle of eternity. And only God could take a shameful, something that was shameful, meant for death, and turn it into a symbol of life and freedom. Like only God could take this symbol that represented darkness, shame, and destruction, torture, and turn it into a symbol that we now celebrate. Did you ever notice that the cross actually is a replica of our life? That he, he's the only one that could take your life that was dark, shameful, and turn it into life, turn it into something beautiful. And that's what he, that's what he does. And that's why the cross is so powerful because I want to give some very factual things tonight from the Bible that sometimes I think we just overlook. Like so many times we hear so much about, it's about an intimate relationship with God. We hear about, um, it's all about evangelism or it's all about these things. And I want to really help people understand that it's all about what has the work, the finished work of the cross produced in you. Amen. 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 And it's, it should be producing something daily because it's inexhaustible. It is the pinnacle of love. And I want to go through some scriptures tonight and help you, but I want to, I just want to warn you, don't ever allow the cross to be a hallmark message in your life. Don't ever let, allow the cross to be something that's trivial or I've already heard about this. Because really, I believe that the way that the Bible was written is that everything points to this moment in time. And that's why in the book of Revelation, it says that Jesus is in the midst of heaven, the lamb, though he has been slain. So we're talking about even in the center of heaven, God says that this is the most beautiful thing. Is Christ crucified. Even when he resurrected, there were still the wounds in his hands. He's resurrected. He didn't have to leave those there. But it's such a symbol of love that he's willing to allow a scar to be there to say, because it says in Isaiah, it says that on his hands are our names. It's inscripted, but our names are literally the wounds in his hands. That's how valuable you are to him. So we're going to go through some heavy theology tonight, which I'm excited about, because did you know that we need to be students of the word? And I think that sometimes, and I just want, I'm speaking on my own behalf, I love the presence of God more than anything. But sometimes people get so caught up in wanting an experience with God that they have no foundation in knowing the Word. And we need to know the Word because what the Word does is the more you know the Word, the more you experience if you receive it by revelation, not information. Amen. So this, 
Revelation we're going to talk about tonight is not to puff you up with, oh, I know some more things. This is, wow, Jesus, you did this for me, right? And if you did this for me, then I want my life to say thank you, right? The reason I don't sin anymore is because sin is bad. The reason I don't sin anymore is because I love him more than the sin. I'm going to say it again. The reason I don't sin anymore isn't because sin is bad. The reason I, I don't sin anymore is because I love Jesus more than the sin. Amen? So let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we've already been singing to you, talking to you. But Lord, I ask you right now that as we talk about the most glorious story ever lived, ever told, that this is not a fable this is not some made-up story just to make us feel bad and say, oh, I, I, I want to change. No, this is a reality. This is a reality. And Paul talked about it saying many truths about understanding being one with the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ. And tonight, Lord, I thank you. Holy Spirit, do the work in people's hearts. Father, I can't convince anybody here in my natural ability who you are, but the Spirit of God right now, I, I thank you that the Spirit of God is just ministering to hearts and, and filtering the words that I speak into the perfect things that they need to hear from heaven so that they can see the price that you paid for them, so they can see that they are valuable, that they are loved, and that they are worth the highest currency ever known to existence, the blood of Jesus. We thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty precious name, amen. Well, I got three things I want to go through. Uh, I feel like I want to say this just before I get ultra serious, just because I feel like sometimes I heard a joke the other day and it was, it was really good. I, you know, a good joke gets a uh, just gets us where we need to need to go. And uh, I got this. If you know a, a minister that tells jokes a lot, it's Bill Johnson. I actually got this from Bill Johnson. I heard it and I started cracking up. This was hilarious. Sometimes we just need to laugh a little bit before major correction and rebuke comes. It's like a, it's like a beautiful thing. It's kind of like a, a compliment ice cream sandwich. It's really great. So uh, there was a, a man that got a bumper sticker and put it on the back of his car, and it said, honk if you think I'm sexy. And uh, he said when he was having a bad day, he would just wait at a green light. <laughs> Just so he would feel a little better about himself. I was just like, that's hilarious. I was like, that's great. And just want to feel a little better about myself. Just keep honking people. So it was stupid, but it was fun. So, <laughs> so, uh, so tonight, the cross in you. It's so amazing how in life that sometimes we get thrown into a situation and we forget to go back to the beginning. Forget to, like, even when we get born again, uh, some of us got born again at different times in our life, different periods, and sometimes we jump right into things, and the Holy Spirit is so gracious. He'll help us where we're at, but there's certain truths that are just, that need to be understood, that need to be cultivated, and you know, that's why ministers like Reinhard Bunke that's going home to be with the Lord, or when you hear Billy Graham, like one of the, a message that just does not get old is the cross. It's the gospel. It's actually, and if you've noticed that sometimes we just get away sometimes, like it's like, we'll do a series on it here and there. And I, I want to remind you that if you ever have a microphone in your hand, or if you ever have influence to talk to people, you have to tell them about this good news. You have to tell them about this good news. It, I, I'm very big on asking questions to God, because I know that that's how he ministers to me. And I'll ask God, why was the cross important? Has anybody ever asked that question? Why the cross? What does, what does the cross mean to me? What does it mean? Like, you, do you realize the cross was actually invented by Roman government? This was, like, this was, this was an execution not even made by, by spiritual principles. This was made by society, this execution. And you know what's so interesting about it is that doesn't God talk about submitting to authority, even if it's, even if it's ungodly, submitting to authority over, over you? And the fact that 
Jesus submitted himself to the highest authority of that time, which was what? It was the Roman Empire. And he actually got the Roman Empire to sign off on his death because the Jews didn't crucify people. They would stone people, but they couldn't crucify them. So Jesus had to go to the go to the go to the cross, and there's so much involved in this process we're going to go over tonight. But sometimes you can miss details, and not you're like wondering what is the cross? What are these things? But you see, Jesus didn't just die for the Jews, because if he was just going to die for the Jews, then he could be stoned to death, because that's a Jewish punishment. But he had to die on a cross because he died for everyone, even Gentiles that get punished would get punished through a cross. He was dying for every nation. And it, and it was very political, too. That he, remember the Bible says the government's on his shoulders? What did he carry? He carried the way the government would crucify people on his shoulders. He carried it. Did you know that beam? They, they, they say it probably weighed about 110 pounds. Could you imagine carrying that beam up a hill after you had just been lashed with a cat of nine tails 39 times. And the reason they did 39 is because it was proven that if they hit 40, that you would die. They knew that 39 was what a human body could handle. And it's been proven, and I, I've looked this up because I always thought it was stupid. It was like somebody made it up. But there are actually 39 roots to disease. So he didn't have to take those lashes but he did because it's for our healing. Healing of flesh, our, our actual bodies. But we're gonna, I'm jumping ahead of myself, but the cross is so amazing. So the thing is, is that he carried that cross after getting not only the lashes, his beard ripped from his face, a crown of thorns dug into his skull. I actually listened to a report from a doctor this week, and a doctor said that that, Actually, a human could have not have even survived the crown because so much blood is right here that a, a man couldn't have actually endured that and lived through it very long. And still, he's carrying a 110-pound beam up a hill thinking of you. But then once again, you have to ask, well, why? Why would he have to do this? And we go all the way back that we don't realize that when we're born, we were born with a, a nature that is selfish. Just look at the world. Did you know everybody's living for themselves, living for their retirement plan, living for these things? But Jesus is the very example of living a life for no other reason than for you. Amen. His life was selfless. His decisions were selfless. Even when he washed the disciples' feet, you know what it says in John 13? It says that he knew who he was. He knew that he had come from God. And at his peak of knowing who he was, he gets down and he washes the disciples' feet because he, since he was so convinced of who he is, he could stoop to any level of servanthood and it wouldn't affect his psyche. Like, this is below me because his identity was sealed in God. How many, why do so many people kill themselves or make horrible judgment calls? Because they don't know who they are. Did you know what the highest currency is? The blood of Jesus. That's why even when, remember when he had to even find, you know, when he was trying to prove who, uh, you know, when we're supposed to pay taxes, he had to borrow a coin from somebody <laughs> because he didn't even have a coin himself at the moment because he knew what was in him was more valuable than anything on this earth, which is true for you now. What's in you is more valuable than anything you will ever hold in your hands. What is in you? And he carries the beam, and we're going to get into a few of those things because I just want to make, and I got to get this out tonight because I know the Lord's all over this, so I want to just make sure. Um, a couple of things. If you are taking, I would highly encourage taking notes on your phone, whatever. You don't have to write down everything. Write down things that stick out to you because it's God speaking to you in, individually. Is any, would everybody agree that we, we live in a very selfish 
society, a selfish world where, you know, to, and I'm not even picking on, but we even live in a, a society in, right now where you could walk down the street and people will avoid eye, eye contact with you, your own neighbors. You can be out in a public place and feel so alone because people are on their phones, people are on this, that even though there's people around you, they're living for themselves. And that's why even when we go out on the streets, what are we doing? We're saying, no, I love you. And I'm out here not for me. I'm out here because there is a God that sent his only son for you. And I can't explain every, and that's the thing that we get, we lose with theology. I can't, I said it during prayer. I can't get up here and convince you. I could give you all the facts and all the things. The Holy Spirit has to reveal it to you in your heart. Because sometimes I get in my head like, all right, if I'm going to preach, I got to give facts. I got to give all these things. And the Holy Spirit's like, I can do the work, bro. <laughs> like, just preach him. You don't need all the facts. You don't even need all the scripture references. If you just tell them about Jesus, I will reveal it to their hearts. Amen. Takes a lot of pressure off. Thank you. <laughs> Takes a lot of pressure off. Because I, I love to study, but my problem is, is I get so excited about what I study that I, I can't get it all out. And sometimes I don't even know where to start or whatever. Like the Holy Spirit's like, Dom, you just took another detour. I'll, I'll just, I'll explain those things you missed to them while they're sleeping tonight. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Preacher's greatest friend is the Holy Spirit. Actually, everyone's best friend. So when you look at the cross, it's very interesting how the cross actually plays. There's the Trinity is involved in the entire cross process. It was the Father's plan. The Father planned this. It's the perfect plan. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he what? Sent his only begotten son. It's God's plan. Jesus is the execution of that plan. He accomplished it. And now the Holy Spirit reveals the victory for us to live in. Do you see how each one plays a role in this central core thing that the cross is the pinnacle of eternity? It's the... Everything goes back to this because you can't live a life of repentance unless you stare at that cross and see the price that was paid. Right. Do you know what's amazing too? It's, and I'm jumping ahead of myself, but it's amazing because we'll just, but does everybody remember when Jesus rose? From, I'm just getting excited. You remember when Jesus rose from the grave that, that the stone rolled? And we celebrate that. We're like, yes, but here's the thing. He could walk through walls. He could walk through walls. So why did he move the stone? He could have just walked through it. He, walked, he moved the stone because he wants you to go in the tomb and see that death and the grave is defeated. That even though he could walk through it because he already knows it, he knows, I'm going to move this stone so that my disciples... And they walk in there and they see that death and the grave is defeated. Do you see that? He's such a gracious God that, that he even will walk through the doors of your heart. That's what he did. They locked him out after he, they were, the disciples were in a, a room scared. And Thomas is like, I'm not going to believe unless I see his hands. And Jesus walks through the wall. Could you imagine that? But that's what he did in all of our lives. We said, God, where are you? Where are you? And he walks through the doors of our heart. He says, you've been asking for me? Let me tell you what I did for you and why you don't have to live there anymore. I love you. I love you. Amen. And then he lets him see his hands after he walked with him for three years. He could have slapped them aside the head with his nail pierced hand. But he lets him look. Put your hand in my side, Thomas. I need you to believe this. I need you to believe this. He's so good. Amen. So, wow. Holy Spirit's on this. We need to talk about this more. We need to talk about it more. We need to read about it more. Because... The more we see it, 
the more we will live it. The more we, and that's why the message is called the cross in you. Because, you guys, let's go to a couple of scriptures. First Corinthians, one eighteen. People are getting free tonight. It's amazing. First Corinthians one eighteen. Paul said, "For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved." It is the power of God. Isn't that phenomenal? That's what I was saying before. That when people just hear about the cross, they're like, that's stupid. Like, why would you? But you see, when we talk about the cross, what happens is the power of God manifest. Because the cross is the greatest example of what love is. It is the greatest example of love. While we were yet sinners, Romans 5, 8 says, while Christ didn't die for you on your best day of being a Christian. Christ didn't die for you when you're laying hands on somebody saying in the name of Jesus. He died for you when you were staring at pornography. He died for you when you were stealing something. He died for you when you were yelling at your spouse and cursing them to their face. He died for you on your worst day. He said, you're worth it all. That's why I love, the, I love when Jesus says this one scripture. I, I don't have the exact reference off the top of my head, but you'll know what I'm talking about. Jesus said, before a man builds, he counts the cost. Jesus said that. Why would he say that? Because before God built the earth, he counted the cost. And he said, you're worth it. Before he made it all, he said, you're worth it. The cross wasn't God's backup plan. It was his love story. Signature. Amen. If you turn to Galatians 6, 14, we're going to bounce through some scriptures tonight because how many people know the Bible is Jesus? When we read this, this is the word, the word of God. We love the word of God. Galatians 6, 14, Paul said, But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. I want to read that again. Would everybody here say that we would think Paul is a great man? Wouldn't we all? I think a lot of us would say he's probably on our top three people to meet when we get to heaven, right? Definitely. Paul? He says, God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. I have no boasting. I have nothing to celebrate that I have accomplished outside of the work of what the cross has done in me. And what he says, by whom the world has been crucified to me. This is Paul saying that what the cross did is it took away a selfish agenda. It, it stripped it from me. I can't live for myself because when I lived for myself, I was headed straight to hell. That even knowing all the things about, he, Paul knew everything about Jewish culture. He knew everything about Roman law. He was, he was a very astute individual, very wise, but he said all of that in Philippians is a pile of dung compared to knowing Jesus and him crucified and resurrected. But Paul, the thing that is, is this is not just believing in a story. This is saying, I want to give you a quote the Lord gave me today that I feel like is very important. When the Lord spoke it to me, I was, it really messed me up in a good way. You must invite the finished work of the cross into your heart in order for it to begin its work in you. I'm going to say it again. It's very simple. You must invite the finished work of the cross into your heart in order for it to begin its work in you. This is pretty much what this is, is the fact that when we hear about the cross, we can say, yes, I want to change. I want to change. But that's not the point. He said, I changed you on the cross. Do you see the difference? Hearing about the cross isn't, I want to change. It's you changed me. 
You changed me. And I want that. I receive it. I don't believe in a story. I believe that you transformed me in that moment. And every day, I want that work to come alive in me. I want to see the nail-pierced hands. I want to see. I'm I'm not going to veer away and say that I don't want to look at it. I want to stare at it. And I want to see the price that you paid so that I could be a righteous man and live morally in this hour and to go after things that mean more that because of what he did it's not just so that i can have money to live a nice life it's so i can have money that i can pour it into this so more people can hear about jesus what he has done i only boast in the cross when you stand before an almighty god one day you can't say well I led this person to the Lord or I led this amount of people to the Lord or I preached in this church or, you know, I went on a missions trip or I went this. The only thing you can say is that I believe that Jesus Christ died for me. That's it. It's the blood. The blood is the only thing that speaks that you're free. It's the only access you have. And we're about to, we got some stuff to go. You guys good? Oh, man. We got to talk about this. Jesus. The cross is like the main event. The, you know, it's like, whew. Lord, forgive us for talking about stupid stuff. Like, this is it. This is it. Can I tell you a little bit about John the Beloved real quick? It's like my favorite thing to talk about. The reason I say this is because I brought it up a few weeks ago, but John the Beloved, he's the only disciple that didn't die a martyr's death. He was delivered from a martyr's death. But he, he said, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. Jesus didn't say that he, he was. John claimed that, right? He had the, you know, the camel bumper sticker that said, Jesus loves me the most. He had, you know, he had... whatever, the toga, (laughs) you know, he had the Jesus love me robe. He had his his mom stitch it in, you know, the mother Zebedee, you know, she stitched in a Jesus loves me, everything. He was, he was a fanboy. He was just a part of the, you know, he was a groupie for Jesus. And, you know, he was just made sure of it. You know, even at the dinner table, everybody get out of my way. I want to sit next to Jesus. I want to be as close as I can to him. He's the only one that actually literally heard the heartbeat of God. John wrote his gospel last. If you don't know that, learn it tonight. The book of Mark was the first gospel written, not chronologically in your Bible, but Mark was the first gospel written. Matthew was written after it, then Luke. Luke actually wrote the book of Acts too, so it's good to read Luke and Acts back and f- back to back. The book of John was written after all the other three gospels. And when you think about that, you're like, it was actually written years later. Now, you have to just think about that for a second. John knew Jesus more than Matthew, Mark, and Luke combined. And John takes this time to write the gospel way later in life. Not only did John wait, but John actually took care of Jesus as a mother. John, Jesus on the cross with his last couple of breaths said, John, behold your mother. Because when you're truly dedicated, remember all the other disciples left. John was the only disciple with Jesus at the cross. So Jesus knew that he could only entrust what was most precious to him, his mother, to the one that was as close to him. So Jesus will only entrust. He loves us. He loves us all the same, but he can only entrust certain people that get as close as they can to him to entrust what's most precious. Now, just think. When John writes the gospel, did you know, here's a fact, 90% of the book of John is not found in any other gospel. Did you know that? 90% of the content in the book of John is not found in any other gospel. The other gospels are called the synoptic gospels, meaning similar, similitude, a lot of same accounts. John, very different. 
And John talks about what Jesus said on the cross. And you have to understand, all the other gospel accounts, actually each gospel account almost tells a different thing Jesus said with his last breath. But if you put them all together, you'll find these things. And we found out that the very last thing Jesus did was he committed his spirit into the Father's hand. Can I tell you something really quick about that? Jesus did not, this is going to blow a lot of your minds. Some of you might not even believe what I'm about to tell you. That's how, are you ready? Jesus could not die unless he gave up his spirit. He could have hung up on that cross forever. Because what did I tell you before? That a man with that crown of thorns would have died by blood loss. Jesus was 100% man, but he was also 100% God. So because he was a spirit, his flesh wasn't what ever sustained him to begin with. I'm going somewhere. You see, some of you don't believe it. It's fine. The Lord will deal with you. But the thing is, is that that's how powerful he is, that he endured all of that. And he's on this cross. And he did not die until he said, Father, or God, because he said, God, you have forsaken me. Into your hands I commit my spirit. He let it go. The other things Jesus was told he was saying is that, you know, I'm thirsty was another thing that you'll find. But in the book of John is the only place you will find. John, I believe, read the other Gospels. He read Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And he's like, this is all good stuff. But they did not say what I heard him say. It is finished. Because only a revelation of love knows that it is finished. Only a revelation of love. He adds it in there. We didn't see it until the Gospel of John that it is finished. Did you know what you also find in the book of John is when he was pierced in his side? Did you know he was pierced in his side? Do you know where the woman came from Adam? The rib, the side. When Jesus was pierced, the bride of Christ came out. Now check this out. They didn't pierce him till he had died. Follow me. Follow me. You got to follow me. I'm just yelling it out. When God created the universe, he didn't create man until he had created everything. He created the sun, the moon, the, the firmament, the oceans. He created everything. Then he created man. Jesus, the bride, didn't come from Jesus until he was finished. Because he doesn't invite us into an incomplete work. He invites us into a finished work. And whatever you add to is only going to lead you to death. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus anything is legalism, Jesus plus anything is religion. Jesus plus anything will not make you free. In fact, it's the highest form of deception. Amen. Amen. The cross gives us the new covenant. How many people are thankful we're under a new covenant? If you don't know what that is, you should just raise your hand in faith and understand that it is. Because if we were under an old covenant... All of you would have had to bring goats tonight. And I would not be up here preaching a message on the love of God. I'd be up here preaching, all right, bring Bo Peep up here because you, I know what you did this week. I saw you cut that person off. I saw you, you know, give them the wrong finger. I saw those things you did. You know, that's going to cost you three Bo Peeps. And if you're not careful... You know, don't make sure you're not eating babe because that's old covenant. You know, you don't eat, you don't eat babe. If you remember that, some, some porky or whatever you see. And I love me some seafood. Does anybody like, you couldn't eat, you couldn't eat old covenant. You know, I'm just throwing some little things out there. 613 laws that you had to keep 
And if you messed up one, you were guilty of them all. Jesus took all of them. And in Colossians 2.14, it says he nailed all the requirements to the cross. Why? Because there's nothing else to look at but him. There's nothing else to look at. I don't need to find out what I'm doing to do right. I just need to behold him, see what he pray, what he paid for, and say, I'm going to live my life screaming, I thank you for the sacrifice. I don't need to know the 613 things because since your spirit comes to live inside of me, whatever you say, God, I will do. And if I've missed it in areas, reveal it to me. Amen? Amen. What did the psalmist say I love? Search my heart. That's right. Reveal any wicked way in me. Amen? The cross destroyed death. Sometimes you've got to really think. Do you, did you ever realize like people avoid thinking about death? Did you ever notice that? Like it's a real, even you avoid it, <laughs> right? Like, you know, like we just, but the reason we don't have to think about it is because we know. Amen? Amen. We know where we're going. We know who we serve. We know where we're at. But there's people out there that the way that they cope with their selfish agenda and a life full of torture is they refuse to think about death. They fear it, exactly. They fear it with everything inside of them. And I want to read 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 55, where it says this. I want to make sure. Uh, it is so, and you know what? I think I, I have the wrong one. But you guys know what I'm talking about. It's the one where it talks about that he, that literally that we have the victory in all the arenas where that's concerned. And that, you know, he, and it's in Colossians where it said he made a, a, a mockery out of death. But it's just the fact that death was destroyed in that. And then we also have that he came and completely destroyed the works of the devil. Did you know that the cross, when we talk about it being a finished thing, the devil knows that he can't change what was done on the cross. But what he knows he can do is he can obscure and distort what it truly means to a believer. He can get you to not believe in the fullness of it and just get you to think of it as a holiday. Or just to get you to think of it as a nice little thing that people wear around their neck and talk about a little. But I'm here to tell you that the devil knows that if you grab a hold of what the crucifixion and resurrection did in you, that you would literally be the most unstoppable thing on this side of eternity. That's why he does whatever he can to obscure that detail. So we say no more, right? We are not going to tolerate this so I want to give you a few quotes. Faith in its most dominant position is being completely convinced of the finished works of the cross. I'm going to say that again. Faith in its most dominant position is being completely convinced of the finished works of the cross. That is, you need to understand that. That faith, when we talk about the faith, the faith is believing in this truth. Amen? Now, uh, this other thing, the expression of Christ in and through you is the fruit of the revelation you have of the cross. I want to say this again. The expression of Christ in and through you is the fruit of the revelation you have of the cross. So I can tell how real the sacrifice that he made in your life by the fruit of your life. How do you tell the fruit of somebody's life? Their priorities. What's a priority in your life? Nowadays, first off, secret place should be number one priority. Yeah. Amen? Let's just get that out of the way. A secret place is your time alone with God when it's just you and him. Does, there, does anybody else believe that this should be a priority? Yeah. And that's where a lot of people don't agree anymore. God lives in my heart. I don't need to get together with people. Oh, oh, well, that sounds like, that doesn't sound like rebellion. Not. That actually sounds like what got Eve to sin. Because where did the, the devil wait until she was isolated? You think you're with God, but really you're just, and 
gathering together. Did you know what happens? It says that two or three, when two or three gather, he's there in the midst of them. And then it says he's enthroned on the praises of his people. So what happens when I'm by myself, I have an encounter with God. Then I get a couple other people and all of a sudden, all of our uh, revelation of who he is becomes magnified. And then when you get a whole bunch of people, it goes to another level if you do it the biblical way. Because God wants us to love our neighbor and there's a reward when you get together with your neighbor and you celebrate him. But the devil wants to isolate you and have a little Bible study in your little chamber and only one person's been coming to it for 10 years and you say it's a church, but there's no fruit at all. We have to understand that when we start talking about him, if I'm here to tell you, I want to share this story real quick because it ministered to me so much. And then I have, I, I have big points I have to get to. So hold on and we'll, we'll get through them. I'm a, I can fire hose them. It's just going to be important for what God wants to do tonight. And we're doing communion tonight. If I, I don't know what ushers have to do, but we'll find a way. It's back there and we'll, we, we just have to. So it just, I don't care. You know, I don't care how messy it is. I don't care if we have to throw it down your throat. It'll be like, Taking communion, bro. It's like, it's just happening. But, but the thing is, Bill Johnson was saying this, and I love this. I listened to him a, a couple of days ago. He said that he was in, when he first took over, did you know Bill Johnson, the, the pastor of Bethel Church that is now like a global phenomenon, did you know when he, he pastored a church of 200 people for like 20 years? A lot of us would be like, no way. Bill Johnson? faithfully just kept going but when he first took over a church in weaverville he went there and they were very theological sound and they were very respect respective and submissive to authority and it was great people but they they had no appetite for the supernatural the presence of god and that was obviously if you know anything about bill johnson that's like what he contends for like every time he speaks or talks and when he went to this church and took over started ministering on one Sunday, he invited everybody to the altar. It was like, you know, a hundred so people came to the altar and he told all of them to, to grab hands and he, he prayed for the presence of God to fall. And, you know, we're all thinking something amazing happened. Only one person experienced the presence of God in a way that they were like, God is here. And like, and Bill Johnson looked at his wife and he said, we're unstoppable now. And that ministered to me so much because he, he didn't care if everybody got it. He just knew if one person got it, that it would change everything. And that's why this message is so powerful because, I, yes, I want everybody in this room to get in. By faith, that's where my, I'm at. But if just one of you sees the cross in a greater light tonight, you will change everything. You will change, you will change society. You know, uh, we had a, me I had a meeting with somebody that's head over, um, uh, advocating against, uh, human trafficking last week. And I had a meeting with, with this individual and, uh, getting involved with redefining hope and all these different things. Did you know Clearwater is one of the main spots for human trafficking? One of the main spots in the country. And the Lord told me Clearwater, and I had no clue that was it. But you, you better bet that I, we're going to contend in the name of Jesus that that is coming to an end. You know why? Because we have a revelation that he has come to set the captives free. And even though he's seated at the right hand of, of the Father, he has put his spirit on the inside of you and you put your foot down and you say, he purchased those children's freedom and they will not be held against their rights. Not that, do you know what the church's responsibility is? It's not to sit and have nice little services. We have services so that God can minister to our hearts. And he can say, I need you to take care of this. Yes. It's not too big. Yes. Nothing is impossible. <laughs> Come on. That's when your faith goes to another level. Not, I just need faith for a nicer car and things like that. I'm not, I'm not even against that. But I'm saying that when you start hearing about what the real issues are going on, that should be like, I want to be a millionaire. Do you know how much money is involved in human trafficking? That's why we don't hear about it. Because political high up people are keeping it under hush with money. The church needs to wake up. Because the wealth of the wicked 
is laid up for the righteous. Amen. You guys good? Oh, we got it. Uh, okay. This is where we'll, 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 we'll slowly uh, unpack this. And then uh, this is really important. The ultimatum of the gospel is not heaven or hell. It's Jesus or you. The ultimatum of the gospel is not heaven or hell. It's Jesus or you. We don't realize how selfish we are and that that's what, that's what sanctification is. Because so many times when we have to make a decision, even when God speaks to you, the first thing that goes off, do, 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 do. well, I can't do that. Do, 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 not enough money. You know, it's like soon as you have to do something, everything is about you. Everything's about what you're able to do and things like that. Not realizing the only reason you can stand in the presence of God is because of the cross. It's because of what he did. So what makes you think you can do one iota without understanding it is by him, through him, and unto him. It's all for him. Amen? So this is where... Two things. I'm not even apologizing. Thank you. Thank you. Somebody's like, don't clap for him. <laughs> That's, uh, it's my wife. Yes. She lives with me, so she, if, she, if she's clapping me, you know what I'm Oh. How many people would like to get Jackie up here to preach soon? Amen. The blood. Here's the two things. I want. Man, there's a lot. We might, we might just talk about this. It's so funny. When you go to hear Michael Culliano's Jesus image, he'll usually open up his service. Like, you just, you're catching us in the middle of a lifelong series on Jesus. <laughs> I love that. It's so good. So if you're bored... Then, you know, if you want to learn about something else, go. But uh, why do you sing so long? We're not singing to you. We're singing to Jesus. Amen. I never saw your name in one of the songs we sang. So why are you complaining? Do you know why it's so hard to close? It's because eternity's in our heart. It's not natural to close. <laughs> Just being real. Thankful for eternity. I want to talk about the blood and the veil. And I'm going to do this quickly. <laughs> this, this should usually be like years of, I'm, I'm doing you a favor right now. You should just thank me what I'm about to do. You should just thank me. Uh, thank Jesus. It's not, but you know, the blood, this is so important. You know what I'm about to tell you. I'm setting the stage. The blood of Jesus is the highest currency. It is, it's literally the most valuable thing. There is nothing more valuable than his blood. Period. Amen. Jesus bled seven times. There are seven different occasions leading to the cross that he bled. And each one of them were purposeful and for a reason. And I want to share each one of them with you right now so you can confess it and speak it over your life, knowing that a price was paid in these arenas for your life, transformation for your life. Not just feel-good confession scriptures when you're having a bad day. Life transformed what he did. Amen. First place he bled, the Garden of Gethsemane. First place he bled in Luke twenty two forty four. 44. Did you know why he had to bleed in the Garden of Gethsemane? He sweat blood. So what, what is he breaking the curse of? Do you guys remember one of the parts of the curse was the sweat of your brow? Every drop of blood is breaking the curse. It's breaking the curse. But ultimately, what he did is he broke the curse of selfish living in the Garden of Gethsemane. Because what was he surrendering? His will to the Father. And in surrendering his will, he bled in anxiety in doing it. It's actually, there's actually science, uh, medical science, to sweating, to being so overwhelmed, 
to this capacity that you literally sweat blood. It's not just like a made-up Bible thing. There's actually, he sweat blood because he had to surrender his will, and it caused blood to come forth. So what does that mean to you? That means that you have freedom. You have the power to surrender your will to God because of what he did. That on days when you feel like you can't, you can say, Jesus, you in the garden of Gethsemane spilled your blood, sweated your blood so that I could know how to surrender today. Amen? Amen. Second place, the blood. The whipping post. We went over it earlier. Matthew 27, 26. And it said that we know that the scriptures talk about in Isaiah 53, 54. It talks about by his stripes, we are healed. And so many times people say, well, that's just a mental healing or no, it's actually healing of your physical body because he took the stripes on his physical body. Amen. So when you have a sickness or you're praying for somebody's sickness, what do you need to hone in on? You need to hone in on those stripes. You need to see those stripes and see that Jesus with his eyes saying, I did this for you. You know what I'm saying? It has to be real. Thank you, Lord, that I'm healed. Thank you. Amen. The next thing, very interesting. He shed his blood internally because it says he was bruised for our transgressions. What does it mean to be bruised? Internal bleeding. So he was bruised for our transgressions. What is a transgression? Wanting to sin, going after sin. So he had to be destroyed on the inside of his flesh to remove your sinful nature. Do you see that? Thank you, Lord, that, that the stripes were for my physical body, but the bruising was for my internal healing that I wouldn't pursue the things of this world anymore. Amen? Amen. The crown of thorns, fourth spot. Matthew 27, 29. What does it say? It says that thorns are part of the curse. And when that crown of thorns was placed on his head, the renewing of the mind. You have the mind of Christ now. He He paid that price with his head. He didn't, you have to understand this is all strategic. The blood, every, because if you read the Old Testament, when they did a sacrifice, they had to put the blood at certain corners. They had to do so much with the blood. It was like an art. So Jesus, this is no coincidence. The crown of thorns was necessary for the renewing of the mind, the mind of Christ. What is the mind of Christ? It's selflessness. It's putting others above myself. I'm not here for me. I'm here to shine his light and reveal him. The fifth place, the pierced hands. Matthew 27, 35, the pierced hands. What do the pierced hands represent? Your ability to receive. Your ability to receive all he has for you. Amen. The pierced feet. Matthew 27, 35. Does anybody remember that Jesus said that you will trample on the enemy? So the thing is, all the authority is in the feet. It is, he is under you. That the blood, that him taking that was so everywhere your foot treads, you have dominion. Joshua. Do you see these? Joshua 1.3. Then the pierced side. Well, we talked about that before that that was for us. That was the bride of Christ. It was the last place that the blood flowed. Do you see all seven though? I want to repeat them. The Garden of Gethsemane, the whipping post, the internal bruising, the crown of thorns, the pierced hands, the pierced feet, and the pierced side, all for you. Can we receive that right now? We thank you, Lord. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for every drop. That every drop was so that that I could surrender my will to you, Lord. Father, that 
The whipping post was for my physical healing and the physical healing of everyone here, Lord. Father, your internal bruising, that bleeding was so that we would die to the sinful nature that we have and walk in righteousness. The crown of thorns was so we could have the mind of Christ. Father, the pierced hands so we could receive the inheritance. Lord, the pierced feet so we could walk in dominion. The pierced side so that the church could be born out of sacrificial love. We thank you for it. The last thing, the veil. Are you guys getting something out of this? I know I'm being, I, I just, I just, I pray that you just capture one of these things tonight. I capture it all, but the veil. Did you know, can we turn to Matthew 27? Get your eyes on it. Matthew 27. The veil is so I just have so much that I want to just, so much I want to shout out right now. <laughs> uh, Matthew 27, verse 45. Actually, go to verse 50. This is, it says, And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. This is the last thing he said. So what, so let me ask you this. If you were an investor, and say you just put a whole bunch of money into something, you know, you're going to want to see, you know, you're going to want to see the return right away, or you're going to be after what you paid for, right? Whatever you paid for, you're going to want to go after that right away. And the thing is, is that right after Jesus gave up his spirit in verse 51, it says, then behold, the veil of the temple was torn to from top to bottom and the earthquake and the rocks were split. So soon as Jesus gave up his spirit, soon as you want to talk about what God prioritizes? Soon as Jesus finished the work, God took the veil in the temple. And just so you understand, this veil was 30 feet tall, 30 feet wide. And it was very thick. And it was actually the thing that's really powerful. It was stranded. This veil was stranded with blue, purple, and scarlet. And it was, that's how it was stranded together. And it had a cherubim which is an angel that was guarding the presence of God. Remember in the Garden of Eden, that when Adam and Eve sinned, in Genesis 3, you can read it, that right after they sinned, God put them out of the garden and he put an angel, a cherubim, guarding the presence of God. So the temple is, the veil is preventing us from going into the presence of God, which was symbolic of the Garden of Eden. But do you, the thing that's so powerful about God is this is all through Scripture. Remember when God introduces himself to Abraham. He says that I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. Why would he be, need to be a shield? Because I'm going to be your shield and take you back into the garden where there's a sword against you, where these things, I'm going to lead you back into the presence. I'm going to take you back there. And that was his goal all the way from the back. Now, the thing that's so important to see is that God, soon as the veil is torn, it says it was ripped from what? Top to bottom. So soon as Jesus breathed his last breath and gave it up, God said, no more. My children, come home. Behold me. Come into my presence. I want to be with you. That my son was sent so I could tear this veil and we don't have to play this charade anymore where you have to figure out how to get into my presence. I paid the ultimate price. Don't wait another second. That's why the secret place is so valuable because he paid such a price. It is not something that we just say, ooh, this is, no, this is everything. The veil was torn so that we could stand in the presence of God and say, Abba, Father. That's why Jesus on the cross said, my God, why have you forsaken me? So we could say, Father, why have you loved me so much? Amen. Whoo. And we find out in Hebrews 12, 2, that he endured the cross despising the shame, looking unto the joy. We look unto him, but he did it because of the joy that was set before him. What was the joy? Children running into the presence of God. Children running into the presence of God. Can I get you pumped up real quick? I'm going to read some scriptures to you. 
that are very instrumental to who you are now? Can we just thank him for the cross? Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the, just thank him right now. Galatians 3.16 says, for you are children, God through faith in Christ Jesus. Galatians 4.7, you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Ephesians 1.3, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive, even Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by the grace of God you have been saved. Romans 8, 38 through 39. I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor present, nor future, nor any powers, nor any height, nor death, nor anything else in creation was able to separate us from the love of God that is who? In Christ Jesus our Lord. 2 Corinthians 5.20, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare Declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.31, if our God is now for us, who could ever be against us? Romans 8.32, Romans 8.2, that we are set free from the law of sin and death. It has no hold. Romans 8.37, we are now more than conquerors through Christ. Christ. Father, we thank you that we are now, Philippians 3.20 tells us that we are citizens of heaven. We do not belong to this earth. Ephesians 1.6, we are accepted in the beloved. Ephesians 1.7, we have redemption and forgiveness through the precious blood of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17, we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Galatians 3.13, we are redeemed from the curse of the law. Philippians 4.19, he supplies all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Hebrews 10.10, we have been made holy because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Colossians 2.10, we are complete. We are complete in him. 2 Corinthians 5.21, we have been made righteous because he became sin for us. Colossians 3.3, we have died and we are now hidden with Christ. 1 Corinthians 6.19, we are a temple of the Spirit of God. Ephesians 2.6, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. 1 Corinthians 2.16, we have the mind of Christ. Philippians 2.13, God does the work in us. But here it is, Galatians 2.20. For I no longer live, because I have been crucified with Christ. And the life now I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, because if Christ died by the law, then he died in vain. Jesus, we love you. We adore you. We love you. We adore you. We love you. We adore you. Can I tell you something? When Paul said, it's I who no longer live, can I just, can you take that truth with you and understand that even Paul in Colossians, we read that he said that I have died with Christ and I'm hidden in him. That every day you need to pursue the revelation of the crucifixion of Christ. You have to say, God, what have I not allowed you to to, what haven't I put on the cross? What am I still living with? Take it all, Jesus. Take it all. This is why when we, when we talk about what we talked about tonight, I just want you to know that this is, this is the core of who you are. That's why it hits so hard, because it's the core of who you are. I love what Reinhard Bunke says in closing. Reinhard Bunke said that if you look at the cross, there's two beams. There's a vertical beam and there's a horizontal beam. And he said that we all are a horizontal beam. We just are a big fat minus. We're just a big fat minus. Everything we put our hands to is minus. It's degraded. But what Jesus did is he came and cut right to the heart of our minus. And now everything we do turned it on its head so where there was sickness there's healing 
now Jesus made us a plus. He made us with this, and it's so simple, but it's so true. And I just, I just want you to know that the cross is the most beautiful thing that you can meditate on and do. And, and don't ever allow the cross to lose its wonder in your life. Tell people about this truth, because what did the, we say? That there's power in the preaching of the cross. If you want to see the power of God, talk about the cross. You want to feel the presence of God, talk about the cross. <laughs> we love you all. If you're wherever you're at in the room, just stay there. But we just want you to know we love you so much. How many people believe we're going from glory to glory? It's going to get better and better every week. And I just want all of you to know that when Jesus died on that cross, that all of heaven went bonkers, went crazy. So don't ever allow the cross. We don't stare at a cross that has Jesus on it. We stare at an empty cross. We stare at an empty tomb. And we behold the Lamb of God. And guess where we're at? We're seated with Him in heavenly places. The reason He's seated is because it's done. Amen. We love you all. God bless.